Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Authorities say the shooting victims range from 59 to as young as two years old, including multiple teenagers. Officials say that shooter, who multiple law enforcement sources tell ABC News is 40-year-old Kim Brady Carricker, is going to face multiple criminal charges. We'll be facing multiple counts of murder, and we'll also be facing uh, multiple counts of aggravated assault as a first-degree felony, weapons charges, among others. But I can tell you this, the man who did this is in custody. The man who did this will be facing multiple counts of murder, and will also be facing Uh, Multiple counts of aggravated assault as a first-degree felony, weapons charges. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 9th of July, year of our lore, 2023. And that is our seventh trans shooter to kill non-gay people. The mega, motherfucking mega. That's what we need to be worried about. Yeah, those insurrectionist, proud boy motherfuckers that aren't killing people. Uh, this wasn't even covered. They they just didn't cover it. Media won't talk about this, so we will. Transgender shooter was arrested on Monday after shooting and killing five people and injuring two children in Philadelphia. Time to start having a national dialogue on trans mass shooters that target children. It is by no means a coincidence that we are seeing this trend. So it's not in Tony's head it's happening more dialogue on hormone replacement hormone hormone balance imbalance and the possible I don't know why I'm using my fucking hands mental imbalance caused from either the reality is these are people with a mental fucking illness because of that illness they are not well and then we jack them full of fucking hormones tell them they're super special people and then protect them from everything if you fucking don't say the pronoun that's a crime misgendering I'm gonna have a trans section today but I just wanted to start on that because you know we 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 have spent the last six years talking about white Christian nationalism. And I don't see any white Christian nationalism, Nazis, white supremacists killing anybody since the church in South Carolina. And that was a long time. That was under the Obama administration. Am I saying they don't exist? No. But they're not going on rampages. And it's clearly 
fucking obvious that we have a trans one. Next one we're going to hit because it's going to be a short show today. I want to keep it nice, short, talk more, less sound bites. I am going to play the media on the cocaine. In fact, you know, I'm going to swap that up. I'm going to play. This could be 10 minutes long. I'm going to condense it down to a few minutes of the media one day asking questions about fucking cocaine in the White House. Tell me how this would play out if it was the Trump administration. Well, ain't that some shit? It was a corrupt file. Nah, it doesn't fucking matter. She just got rude, said it was inappropriate, and then the media took the ball. So here's the media. Yeah, we'll never know who had that cocaine even though Hunter was in the fucking library. And turning to some breaking news, we have just learned that a formal lab has confirmed the suspicion that that white powdery substance found in the West Wing on Sunday was in fact positive for cocaine. The discovery led to a brief evacuation of the White House Sunday night. Joining us now is NBC White House correspondent Mike Memoli. So Mike, where do things stand now? This is so unusual. You and I have covered the White House for years. I can't even fathom anything like this having been found before in the West Wing. And I go back to the 70s at the White House. So this is pretty, pretty wild. It's absolutely extraordinary, Andrea. And this new conclusive test confirms what had been the preliminary field test conducted by D.C. fire personnel who were called in on Sunday night after the discovery of this suspicious substance by a uniformed officer in the Secret Service uh, that was conducting a routine patrol of the White House. And so uh, to recap on the developments from that we've been reporting on yesterday, this was found, we understand, in a highly trafficked common area of the West Wing. It's an area where individuals, especially visitors, individuals who may be coming for, for instance, a private tour, might have been asked to leave some of their personal belongings before heading into uh, more sensitive areas of the West Wing, which, of course, includes the president's, the vice president's office, some of the most senior officials' uh, offices, as well as the press team and a number of deputies. It certainly does. And one of the big questions here is how it entered the White House to begin with. Now, as you mentioned, the, the, a person familiar is now confirming to our Kevin Liptak that the lab tests have shown that it is positive for cocaine. Sources had previously told CNN that field tests in the moment had determined that it was possibly cocaine. We now know that that is the case. Now, where it was found was in the West Wing, in a common area, not an individual office, and also an area where private uh, group-led tours passed through. We also know that the substance was found near where the guests are asked to leave their cell phones before proceeding into the West Wing. Now, of course, this did prompt that brief evacuation on Sunday evening. And uh, they called in uh, Washington, D.C. Fire Department, which deployed their hazmat suits to try to determine what this was. And now, uh, since Sunday, we are learning that it is indeed cocaine. Now, again, this is part of an ongoing investigation. We're trying to get more from the Secret Service as, again, how this got into the White House and who brought it in. All of those questions still lingering. But at the very least, those lab tests are now in. John. An investigation being led by the Secret Service, uh, Priscilla, and we should know it. I mean, clearly they know everyone who goes into that building, it is a known quantity. 
That's right. I come in and out of this building on a regular basis, and you do have to pass, just like you would at the airport, through um, through security. And so the question now is going to be how this how this came to be, uh, and Secret Service is the one who's going to be fielding those questions. All right. Uh, it is intriguing. Priscilla Alvarez, thank you so much for the latest on that. It was suspected the field test said cocaine. Yeah. Now these more conclusive lab tests, yeah. I would like to know blow by blow who is responsible for this. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> there is no too soon. On no, this. soon. no one was injured as far as Thank we you, know. Kate. And it's an illicit drug at the White House. <laughs> Why can't you actually have a bit of fun with it? I don't believe in fun. No, he doesn't. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. This is CNN New Central Inside Politics is up next. I was interested in this headline because uh, Jeremy Diamond's reporting and your team's reporting is that it's going to end next week, but yet they don't have a lot of the information, right, from the DNA tests, et cetera. That's right, Poppy, and this is on track to end whether or not a suspect hmm. is identified. So as of yesterday afternoon, Secret Service was still looking through security footage and visitor logs, and they still had not received the results of the DNA test as well as the fingerprint analysis. So all of that is still underway. But what makes this very challenging is that where this baggie of cocaine was found is a highly traveled part of the White House. This is on the ground floor of the West Wing. It was near the entrance in cubbies. So this is a cubby that visitors use when they are going on staff-led tours, as well as ones that staff can use if they have to leave their cell phones behind to go into an area to review classified materials. Now, these tours happen over the weekend. Those are led by staff. And so there is at least a time frame that they can look at. And of course, this was also a finding that led to a temporary evacuation on Sunday evening. But the investigation is still underway, as we know, and it, the timeline could still be fluid. But as of now, it is still very much on track to end early next week. And all that we have heard up to this point is that it just may be very difficult to identify who brought this in and then how it got in to begin so, with. So just to be Poppy. clear, it might end without answers, right? That's right. Okay. In other news... The reality on this is, is any other administration, any other administration but Biden, this would, it wouldn't be cool. Ari Fleischer, you've got to be kidding me. Cocaine was found at the White House, and authorities aren't saying exactly where it was found. If it's in the old executive office building, it's likely his staff. If it's a mansion, it's likely Hunter. Do your job. What gibberish. A West Wing work area. Puh. Litico. White House cocaine culprit unlikely to be found. It's a mystery wrapped in an enigma underneath a rock with a troll. Amuse, guy follow. There were several people who saw Hunter Biden working in the White House library's laptop when the fire department reported the cocaine was found in the library. They put two and two together. Once the White House realized this, the location of the cocaine was updated to a West Wing work area, which could mean anywhere in the West Wing. Now the White House is claiming the cocaine was found in an area where guests leave their cell phones. Next, it'll be on the fucking moon. That, that's where it was. But, you know, it, it's not it's not that important not at all just cocaine not that big a deal i mean come on come on man come on man what the fuck brah
What the fuck? I uh, sometimes wonder. Sometimes. I just wonder out loud. Is, is this for real? Is this literally what we roll? And then we had a judge halt the Biden's administration ability to censor Americans and go full fucking state media. A federal judge, preliminary ban Biden administration officials continue to speak on meeting with big tech officials to press them to censor viewpoints the U.S. government dislikes. The First Amendment bars them. New York Times. Uh, there we go. Breaking, a judge limits Biden administration officials from contacting social media sites, a ruling that could curtail efforts to fight disinformation. You mean the disinformation that they put out every day about the cocaine? Is that the disinformation? Paul Thacker had to copy edit the misleading New York Times subhead on the new court ruling. Fighting disinformation is newspeak for censorship. That's all it is. It's censorship. You are about to go into an election that you know you're going to lose. And you don't want that. So, being that our media is just a water-carrying vessel for any Democratic administration. Here's a CNN hit and an MSDNC all down for fascism. Yes, this is a Trump-appointed judge, but this judge was confirmed 98 to 0 by the Senate. Just reading the words in this injunction, a, quote, massive effort by the defendants to suppress speech based on content. Those are the judge's words. Calling the present case, quote, arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history, Ellie. It's a dramatic uh, decision by this judge. If you read through it, he's citing to literature and George Washington and Ben Franklin. Here's what really is astonishing to me. This is a conservative ideology that clearly comes through in this decision. It's a conservative political ideology, right? We saw some of the quotes questioning vaccines, questioning masks, conservative talking points. But the ruling itself is the opposite of judicial conservatism. This is one of the most aggressive, far-reaching rulings you'll ever see. What this judge is purporting to do is to micromanage, really, the day-to-day interactions between essentially the entire executive branch, all these agencies that are listed as defendants, and the leading social media companies. And in the actual temporary injunction, the judge basically says, you're not allowed, administration, to talk to these social media companies about any protected free speech except for cybersecurity threats, national security threats, criminal threats. But where's the line? Who's going to police this? This is a judge trying to micromanage the day-to-day regular activities of the entire executive branch. I don't know that it's actually policeable by the judge, but it's really an astonishing... I don't mean this necessarily as a criticism. This is a very activist judicial opinion. Sarah, you know, I think think it's the point that I've been trying to figure out throughout the course of the last 24 hours. We were texting about this yesterday in terms of how significant it is. Um, If you look behind the scenes, communication between the federal government... I think Judge Daugherty's decision goes too far. We're in the press. We're always used uh, to people from the government saying, hey, don't print that. But what the Twitter file showed, and in my book I talk about the night after night when they're releasing these files, is that it went a bit far. It wasn't just government saying, don't uh, 
print things or, or amplify things about, say, uh, the uh, Barrington Doctrine, which talks about the spread of COVID. It was somehow coercing a bit. And what was worse, the social media companies didn't just play along. They colluded and tried to stop some of the flow of information. So I think this is a little bit of a corrective, but I clearly feel that in the end, the decision will be refined somewhat because government has to have the right to have its own free speech to push back when they see things on social media they think are dangerous. Yeah, and the government would argue we were just colluding, if you want to put it that way, to stop bad information, to getting the hands of people and threatening their well-being. CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Andrew, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Now, let us remember, these were the same people saying that the previous administration was taking the Constitution, shredding it, making it into a dildo, and shoving it up its ass. But now the U.S. military is doing it. I have said about 20 times that Millie should be relieved for cause. So they're monitoring us. The military. Monitor social media for mean posts on current or former higher ranking individuals. Mealy Mully and the Raytheon Austins are sensitive to critics about their Afghan fiasco, their recruiting failures for going woke, their unneeded vaccine mandates for some of the fittest risk profiles who have never had it, and their Ukraine tragedy that is happening right now yeah but yeah we need to uh we need to we need to monitor silence missing eyewitness of biden family scandal comes forward nets don't report on it but the whistleblower did a get on tv did a get on tv so, of course, we're going to be doing all this other shit and playing the shell game with facts about cocaine and monitoring and censoring because we don't want this shit to get the fuck. Good day. My name is Dr. Gal Luft. For the past 20 years, I have been the co-director of the Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, a Washington-based think tank focused on energy security. For the past 15 years, I've been a resident of Israel, and for four years, I was senior advisor to the China energy company CFC, at the same time of its dealings with the Biden family. Under normal circumstances, I would be testifying before Congress about my experience with CFC. Sadly, due to circumstances I shall describe here in this video, uh, I am forced to tell you this story via video. My ordeal goes back to uh, a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the U.S. government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. As I said, it was in March of 2019 in a two-day uh, session at the U.S. Embassy in Brussels. I insisted that the meeting take place in March because at the time there were rumors that Joe Biden was planning to run for president. I saw it as my civic duty to alert the government beforehand and give it enough time to probe the issue. I want to be clear. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern 
that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the DOJ's uh, cover-up, this is exactly what happened. The DOJ sent to Brussels a delegation of six uh, people, two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York, by the names of Daniel Reichenthal and Catherine Ghosh, and four FBI agents. One of them was Special Agent Joshua Wilson from the Baltimore Field Office, which also happens to cover the state of Delaware. Now you want to ask yourself, why did the government dispatch to Europe so many people? Why six? Why not two? The answer is that they knew very well that I'm a credible uh, witness and that I have insider knowledge about the group and the individuals that enriched the Biden family. Over an intensive two-day two meeting, um, I shared my information about the Biden family's financial transactions with CFC, including specific dollar figures. I also provided the name of Rob Walker, who later became known as Hunter Biden's bagman. Uh, yet, as we now know today from the whistleblower testimony, uh, Gary Shapley, it took the DOJ a whole 21 months to probe the issue and to actually talk to Walker. But perhaps the most alarming information I revealed was of a mole within the DOJ who shared classified information with Hunter Biden and his Chinese partners. I told the DOJ that Hunter was closely associated with a very senior retire, retired FBI official who had distinct physical characteristic. He had one eye. One of the FBI agents at the time even told me you know, that would be very easy for us to find. There aren't that many one-eyed people in the Bureau. The information I provided the FBI in March of 2019 was fully corroborated nine months later when the famous laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, which contained all the emails and receipts, was handed to the FBI. And guess who seized the laptop from the computer repair shop. It was Special Agent Joshua Wilson, who was with me in Brussels earlier. In other words, the FBI knew about, uh, from me, about the Biden CFC deals before they got hold of the laptop, way before. They had enough time to investigate the issue, but they didn't. After Brussels, I never heard back from the DOJ, but instead of showing appreciation for my whistleblowing, I became public enemy number one. Over the past four years that followed, me, my family, my friends, my associates, we were all harassed, intimidated, and finally, I was prosecuted. Despite all that, on the eve of the 2020 elections, I sent my lawyer to Washington to meet with then acting Deputy Attorney General, Mr. Richard Donahue, 
to ensure he was informed about the information I had given his department in Brussels 19 months earlier. And also to warn him that there may still be a mole within the DOJ. Mr. Donahue confirmed to my lawyer that he was aware of my claims, but now we learn from the IRS whistleblower that it was Rich Donahue himself who suspended the investigation a few weeks earlier on September 4th, 2020, on the grounds that it was, quote, too close to the elections. Finally, in February this year, I was arrested in Cyprus now, I know that was long, but it's 13 fucking minutes long because these fucking people literally are garbage humans. They're doing everything that they say the other side does and then calling disinformation when anybody brings it out. Here's a Google thread because I've been bitching about this forever and, and guys in Matt, like Matt in Oregon probably get fucking sick of it. As my publishing colleague Arlie knows, Google effectively controls the entire online advertising industry. Unless you're big enough to sell ads directly as an advertiser, and almost no publishers are, you need Google Blessing. Google ad business violates antitrust breakup EU. When someone wants to advertise online, they typically use an exchange like AdWords where they choose the amount they're willing to spend per thousand impressions the type of sites that want their ads to appear. Most of this depends on cook cookies derived from millions of websites, data of which, of course, comes from Google. The placement of ads, the reporting system, and advertisers ensure they're spending as efficient, efficiently as possible was dominated by a company called DoubleClick. Google bought DoubleClick and later rebranded as AdX, which you see if you pay attention to your cookies. When publishers first start out, they often outsource the management of their inventory, the spots where ads are placed, to firms that know how to navigate. The first step in the process is having Google in the whitelist white your site. If that fails, sorry, but you're fucked and it's impossible you'd ever make money. When Grabian Media was still young, I spent a lot of my time doing original reporting, much of which ended up on the Drudge Report before he turned into a liberal. However, after Trump 2016 victory, progressives began complaining about the fake news and misinformation that supposedly enables his victory. Brands paranoid about being blamed for enabling dangerous content began pulling back on ads appearing on political content. Con websites were specifically targeted, although owing to the clumsy way online advertising groups, websites, and overly broad categories, practically every news site covering politics took a huge hit. This trend is even worse for video ads. The founder of one of major news brand everyone knows, which by the way is completely nonpartisan, not that it should matter, spoke to me off the record about the impact this had on their company. From the start of the Trump administration to the end, their traffic grew moderately year over year, but their advertising revenue dropped 70 fucking percent. They only narrowly avoided having to shut down completely. Back in the day, it was easy for any random person to start a new site and start making money off traffic. Sadly, that day is gone. Over the last five years, Google has become hyper-aggressive and policing content their prog staff and owners disfavor. And its campaign against my company demonstrates Google has many tools in disposal. In 2017, a Google whistleblower leaked documents to Project Veritas about its program to suppress content. One doc was a list of news outlets blacklisted for appearing in Google News. Almost all of them are conservative, and Grabium is amongst them. In the last week, ads stopped appearing on Grabium News entirely. I checked with our ad firm, and they reported Google banned us. Normally when this happens, Google links to offending posts that are supposedly violated for us under issue location. It said entire site. As a reminder, Grabian primarily operates as a news clipping. I play them. They're just, it's like lives of TikTok. 
We're just playing the crazy shit you fucking progs say. The issue is that we showcase material that embarrassing for progs, and that's why Google thought corpse thought cops took over. Like most brands, Grammy and created a YouTube channel to participate in the partnership program. You need to have a thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours. We accomplish these things relatively quickly. While YouTube takes the vast majority of revenue from the creator of Generate and Story for another thread, we didn't earn a small amount of money from the ads appearing on our content, all of which were popular supercuts for a short period. We also posted hot clips. In May 2021, we posted a clip of a mom complaining about her kid being forced to wear a mask and said they have no benefit. Google YouTube removed the video. We should grab in a strike and remove us from the partnership program. And it goes on and on and on, and it's all the same thing. Google owns everything. They own websites, spites, sites. They're still cooking algorithms. Twitter has gone to count strikes unless you pay for premium. So... If you're not following that person and you look every time they post, you don't see it. You've seen the last, like, 20. It's all you see. And then it shuts it off. They're rigging the next direction. This is called a cabal. Next, the student loan report last time. Well, now Biden administration makes it easier to have debt discharged through bankruptcy, which once again is shredding the fucking Constitution and doing whatever they want with their Sharpie and their fucking Blackberry. But for some reason, that's okay. Because they're liberals. And liberals do stupid fucking shit. This is... um, One of the judges for J6. Just when you think the Biden swamp can't get any more swampier, here it comes. The 100 million nonprofit run by a wife, a DC U.S. attorney, Matthew Gray, is the lead organizer in an effort to oust Clarence Thomas from the Supreme Court. Um, on March 10th, 2023, Fatman Gross Graves spent a night in tribute to Speaker Pelosi. Graves is married to Matthew Graves, who's the lead prosecutor in January 6th case, which arguably has Pelosi at the forefront as a witness and head of Congress. While January 6th political prisoners remained locked in jail without a trial date, Fatman Graves, the wife of Graves, led the J6 prosecutor, was hitting the Christmas party scene, VP residence. The wife, who is currently rounding up thousands of Jan Sixers, while D.C. crime increases, 10 murders over July 4 weekend. Julie Kelly reports she has unfettered White House accents. She speaks with vocal fry. Oh, I fucking suck. Sorry. I'm super fucking fucked up because I stopped recording because I was going to tape this. This is the lady. And remember, this guy is running JSEC. Fatima Goss Graves, National Women's Law Center, take one. I'm the first lawyer in my family, but I think I knew pretty early that I wanted to use the law for good. I grew up learning about the law through the stories of my father's family, where they took on Knoxville, Tennessee public schools successfully to desegregate them. I'm excited that I'm able to bring a legal hat and an advocate hat to my work and a rich and vibrant movement that is re-energized and driving meaningful change for women in this country. So that's okay. 
That's not dark money or meddling with the Constitution or any of that fucking shit. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. And then you get a Tucker hit on J6. And does anybody, anybody, even remotely get surprised over this? And that was a tip-off to me. I mean, I had no thought in my head as I watched this happen on television and in the subsequent weeks that U.S. law enforcement or military agencies had anything to do with it. That never crossed my mind. I never thought that there was it was a false flag or anything like that. I'm not a conspiracist by temperament. I never thought that. Um, and then I interviewed the chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen Sund, in an interview that was never aired on Fox, by the way. I was fired before it could air. Um, I, I'm going to interview him again. But Stephen Sund was the totally non-political worked for Nancy Pelosi. I mean, this was not some right-wing activist. He was the chief of the Capitol Police on January 6th. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That crowd was filled with federal agents. What? Yes. Well, he would know, of course, because he was in charge of security at the site. So the more time has passed. Now it's been... Of course it is. The more you look at the film, you follow it, you see him opening doors, letting people walk by, SWAT teams walking past... The lady that got shot in the fucking face, Ashley Babbitt, shooting CS into crowds. The very thing they accused Trump of doing when he used smoke and when the White House almost fell. I mean, do we remember that? Anybody? They, they're fucking hypocrites. Their ability to be so hypocritical it hurts your pancreas when you really think about it and then we look at all the things that are going wrong in our country and the border and letting every mother fucking piece of shit just fucking come right in and the fentanyl and the human trafficking and 6.5 million fucking illegals that they're going to use to be uh, yeah, I'm, I'm flipping a calendar because I have an OCD, sorry. Um, so they can be voters for them, so they can keep winning elections illegally because they're going to let them vote. Todd in Oregon. They're handing out the ability for people to smoke their fucking fentanyl. Something that is killing 100,000 people a year. Once again, any Republican do that. Well, what would you say? What would the media say? Because they're not saying anything. That's like a... What a, what a we're not even in 20 minutes to fucking show. I'm not even covering everything. That's how fucked up this shit is. So we're going to do a quick military hit because this is fucking horseshit because I want you all to remember that when Trump was in office, they said the world didn't respect us. It was so dangerous, even though he got the accords in the Middle East. He fucking North Korea stopped lobbing missiles. Russia didn't do shit because he was unstable, they thought. And we were told they were going to get him elected because then they could do whatever they want. But they did nothing until they waited to Biden come in. They are now using all sorts of techniques to take out our reapers, 
So here is a short military corner. Yeah, the world respects us so much. Think of how awesome it is to have a president that totally fucked up Afghanistan, has fucked up everything, and the whole world is just, fuck you. You got nothing. You got nothing. So I wanted to get a couple things because, um, man, a lot of new procurement. This is the... KF-41 Lynx, and it's an Australian Army vehicle, um, and there is talk that this will take over um, the place of the M2 Bradley. The other vehicle, man, I can't get a decent photo of it, but they're going to have um, this one, the Lynx. 2.0 turret that includes a 35-millimeter cannon, a missile pod capable of carrying anti-tank guided, um, anti guided missile drones or loitering munitions. The vehicle is equipped with a modular armor system that weighs between 37 and 55 tons. Um, it looks pretty fucking badass. Um, then we have this one. Or is this the Lynx? Which one is this? Hold on. Yeah, I'm going to play this video. This is pretty fucking badass. nice to see something new um you know it's fucking an old vehicle started in 84 
Next, we have this. Patriots, MR missile, 64 striker, M2 Bradley armored vehicles, 31 new housers, DPICM cluster munition. U.S. announces another $800 million to Ukraine so they can take all those weapons and use them incorrectly and get them destroyed. Here's what we know. The U.S. will send a new batch of striker armored personnel carriers and M2 Bradley fighting vehicles to Ukraine along with additional ammunition, rockets, and interceptors for air defense system. Missiles from the M, the 104 Patriot, sorry. AIM-7 missiles, Stinger surface-to-air, GMLRS rockets, 31-155 howitzers, 155-millimeter artillery shells, including DPCM DPCIM cluster munitions, 105mm arty shells, 32 more Bradleys, 32 more Strikers, tow missiles, Javelins, Penguin unmanned aerial system, 37 tactical vehicles, small arms and 28 million rounds of ammo, demining and obstacle clearance equipment, and other equipment to a grand total of another 800 million weapons. So the weapons will not be transferred as part of the USAI program, which means that all the above will soon be delivered to Ukraine. We're just fighting that war. We're just going to keep fighting that war. Remember, Trump's mere present was going to start World War III. The Booker. Now, of course, because we're freaking woke, and I take nothing against these guys. They're both fucking heroes. All right. They're using Robert D. Booker, a white dude, and then they're using a Staff Sergeant Booker, who got the Distinguished Service Medal. Yeah, Service Cross. Posthumously in a striker. And they've made the new M10 Booker. Online, they're saying it's an infantry vehicle. It is not an infantry vehicle. It is a new light tank. Red light two Google articles and uh, literally wanted to punch somebody in the face for fucking not researching shit because, you know, our media doesn't care about vets. I mean, why would they care about vets? We're just all committing suicide. It's more important to take care of those fucking trannies, right, that are shooting everybody. But it's going to be badass. It comes with a 105 um Let's see. It's like a Sheridan. Let me try to find it. Armament. Main armament of the M10 Booker would consist of one 105mm cannon, um, smoothbore, still shooting Sabot, American M35, and a 7.62 machine gun mounted coaxially. The 105 cannon can fire eight armor piercing discarded Sabot and high explosive rounds with a maximum range of. 1.8 kilometers for the Sabots and 4 kilometers for HG. The APDS is a type of spin-stabilized kinetic energy projectile for anti-arm warfare. The main gun is loaded manually. One 12.7 millimeter heavy machine gun is mounted on the commander's hatch. Two banks of four smoke grenade launchers are mounted on each side. Protection has SEP V3 fire control systems and anti- um, missile protection the, the pads that go on the outside so that's a quick used to be six nine round burst i wanted to do a military corner today and now we're going to go on to tran world so um because i have so much trans stuff that majority of the store is going to be on trans sorry we will start with um that piece of shit levine 
that piece of shit, Mulvaney, and a literal clown talking at a ham track conference. A clown tranny. The fucking irony of it all. Hey, 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 bow, 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 little pump in the cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Hello, my name is Admiral Rachel Levine, and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month. And actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy summer of pride. I took a brand deal with a company that I loved, and I posted a sponsored video to my page. And it must have been a slow news week because the way that this ad got blown up, you would have thought I was like on a billboard or on a TV commercial or something major. But no, it was just an Instagram video. And the wildest part is that they also sent me one can with my face on it. You might have seen it. And funny story, I had the can around my house, but then I realized, wait, I need to protect this can. So I hid it somewhere, and now I can't find it because I hid it so well. But when I do find it, I feel like it needs to go in a museum, preferably behind bulletproof glass. And you might be thinking, Dylan, why bring it up now? I, I'm bringing it up because what transpired from that video was more bullying and transphobia than I could have ever imagined. And I should have made this video months ago, but I didn't. And I was scared and, and I was scared of more backlash and, and I felt personally guilty for what transpired. So I patiently waited for things to get better, but surprise, they haven't really. And, and I was waiting for the brand to reach out to me, but they never did. And for months now, I've been scared to leave my house. I have been ridiculed in public. I've been followed. And I have felt a loneliness that I wouldn't wish on anyone. And I'm not telling you this because I want your pity. I am telling you this because if this is my experience from a very privileged perspective, know that it is much, much worse for other trans people. For a company, to hire a trans person and then not publicly stand by them is worse in my opinion than not hiring a trans person at all because it gives customers permission to be as transphobic and hateful as they want. Hamtramck may be one of the most diverse cities in the country, but we have to draw the line somewhere. Sure, many Hamtramck residents have fled countries where being gay is a death sentence, but nothing says we have to make it comforting and welcoming here. While we can't legally discriminate against LGBTQ people in the United States anymore, uh, the city council of Hamtramck can say, ill, now, be proud somewhere else, because that is the meaning of neutrality, my fellow citizens. Additionally, at a time when all of us feel the burn of inflation, we can't expect to, cost over, to throw costs towards rainbow flags, we have to spend $146,996 on, on tasers for the Hamtramck Police Department. And just in case any of these radical gays get out of line. During Pride Month, no less. Bravo. <laughs> and so allow me to humbly present 
a redesign of the Hamtramck City Placard to underscore this brave council's position on neutrality. This new sign will ensure that visitors and residents know that this is a city that stands for diversity so long as it doesn't offend the religious beliefs and backgrounds of others. The slogan shall now read, Hamtramck welcomes you if you're straight. And this is a historic moment, a moment where the basic rights of LGBTQ folks are under attack. And history will look back at these seven brave members of city council and remember they remained neutral. The headlines will read, heroic Hamtramck city council votes to stay neutral during Pride Month, bans pride flags on all city property, and instead invests in police tasers. Now, and I'm, this might be a little on the nose for you, and if you don't like this poster, I do have another one. Um, uh, this is uh, the obviously we'll have to paint over the rainbow on the on the mural because that is a little too gay. But we will have the world in two straight miles, so it's a little bit uh, it's covert, so it's not right on the nose. Anyway, thank you so much. Um, I yield my the rest of my time. Hello. Thank you. Fucking clown show, man. It is just fucking perfect. I mean, that is just perfect. I'm scared to leave my house. Why? Is there any proof ever? That's the thing that always angers me about all this tranny bullshit. They can just say, I don't feel safe because people fucked with Bud Light. Not you. Nobody fucked with you. Nobody's giving you shit. You're a fucking freak, and you become a rich freak, greasing the wheels of the system, knowing that you were never going to be anybody if you stayed the way you were. You were just a background singer or in the fucking, I don't know, the fucking fancy word for when you do Broadway. And you're, the chorus. There it is. You're just in the chorus. You're just another douche nozzle. Nobody fucking cares about you. But you turn trans. Yeah. We good. We are fucking good to go. We turn trans and get the whole world liking us again. Yoo-hoo! Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. So, Rachel Levine, once again, mailing it the fuck in. I just don't understand why our media continues the lie. Because now we're going to watch a sidewalk preacher getting barked in his face. New York Pride Day saying we're coming after your kids. And not to be outdone, I can't remember where this is. I think it's Portland. Fully naked people in front of children in the street for a Pride Parade. We're talking but naked. I am Eloise. I am six.
So, of course, remember, we're all garbage because we don't want our children seeing this stuff. So the people that fucking have children in school went to boards and said enough's enough, pushed their congressman to say enough's enough, we're done, we, we don't want this anymore, you need to stop. And it's, oh, that's bullshit. That's not true. That's fucking not true. They just want their true self. They want trans joy. People's reply to the, we're taking your children, New York. Awakening the aggression of loving parents. Tell me again, we are not in a war. I thought they weren't after our children. Come for the children, stay for the wood chipper. I like that one. It's worse than ever. Worse than that, even. Uh, not the bee. Boston cops found four children in squalid conditions at a drag party alongside drugs, sex, and toys. Another person. Don't worry about the ones who shout in a marching cadence. You can avoid them, but the ones who tell the kids don't tell your parents, worry about them. Yeah. To the pride parade of nudity and Seattle. I was wrong. It's Seattle. Only white liberal women are bringing kids to this degeneracy. Bud Light does not want video of their sponsorship of a pride parade in Canada going around. I won't play it. They have a truck. Fully naked man exposed to genitalia in front of kids. A man in underwear torques in front of a group of children at a Minneapolis pride parade. I didn't, I didn't play that one because it's just disgusting. The San Francisco Pride Parade is likely a parody of decadent civilization celebrating one last bi-channel I cannot say that word right. That's not how you say it. Before the light goes out, I'm documenting it as a thread. If this is the last time you hear from me, please assume I was smiling by God just for showing up to observe. And it is just degeneracy. This article. A kid wore My Promise Not Pride shirt to school, and they said it was, wasn't allowed, but LGBT gear is totally okay. This is crazy. We should send nice emails to the school. They were made to turn it inside out. Just want you to know, we asked Rain to wear this shirt inside out today. Today is P for Pride Day. We are an exclusive school that honors everyone. The T-shirt that he is wearing is demeaning. Our dress code does not demean any group. Well, I guess it does because Christians are not down with it. So, fuck the Christians, right? Yeah. And that's what everybody tweeted. This is Christian fucking discrimination. And everybody's cool with it. And I don't know why. Because it shouldn't be happening. Then we get to the Dodgers, and I get signs of hope because they brought the evil group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, are recognized for Pride Night to a mostly empty audience. Two Dodgers fans nearby begin loudly booing. Breaking, thousands of Catholics have shut down the main entrance of Dodger Stadium on Vince Scully Avenue and in protest of Sisters Perpetual Indulgence being honored tonight. They're now lining the sidewalks and taking over the entire block. 
the crowd that came to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence versus the crowd that came to honor Jesus outside of Dodger Stadium. This is the reality of wokeness. It's unpopular and pushed by corporations who ignore the popularity of faith. But NBC, before we play the vids, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group invited to disinvited and then invited again to L.A. Dodgers Pride Night, have been dedicated to community service and LGBTQ rights and activism for decades. They're just the, the lead line. Meet the drag nuns caught up in a culture war over pride events. Here's the tape. Next one's pretty hard to watch. It is uh, it was sent to me by my wife, and you'll see the art. Once again, I ask, why, why, why do we, why do we need this? Why is this something that they have to do if it is a natural thing, right? And we're told all over the place that this is natural. Totally natural. Why do you need all this? Can I ask you about your shirt first of all? Of course. So it says, say gay, perform drag, read banned books, protect trans youth, teach all history, show love, and be kind. Can you tell me about the drag? Like, how do you feel about the bans on drag shows and the way that the right wing is trying to say that this, the drag is inappropriate for kids and is sexualizing kids? Like, what's your answer to that? Um, I think it's pretty sad. I think uh, drag is a form of art. And of course, that wasn't art. That was just the videos. But that's that's what they're doing. That that's that's what we are saying. They need to do to be their true self, to be acceptance, and so they won't commit suicide and all the fucking crazy shit we talk about. Why do they have to do this? Why do you have to be so just 
disgusting. Why? Why is it so important? Why is this, this is their culture? I am constantly surprised at how anything goes is okay with our media. Because the following video is everywhere. That's a Blair Peters, we played him before, self-described queer surgeon who uses he-they pseudo-pronouns, describes using a robot to castrate puberty-suppressed adolescents, boys, and transform their penises tissue into artificial vagina. But we're being told doctors don't do this on kids. One thing that is very new is genital surgery in someone that has underwent pubertal suppression. Um, not so much an issue in um, someone with assigned female at birth anatomy that undergoes a phalloplasty because we're creating something with a you know, free tissue transfer or a flap anyway, but a much bigger issue for an individual that's undergoing a penile inversion vaginoplasty. Um, because we use all of that tissue to basically create the vulva as well as line the internal vaginal canal. And as a specialty, um, those of us that do a fairly high volume of genital gender affirming surgery, you know, we've maybe done a couple, a handful of pubertally suppressed adolescents as a field and no one's published on it yet. Um, OHSU is, we're just putting our first series together as we're kind of learning and figuring out what works. Um, but it's really changing things um, because you don't have enough tissue to line the vaginal canal. So you either have to take a skin graft or take skin from elsewhere or use an artificial product. Um, the way that we're dealing with it is by using a robot and we're basically performing intra-abdominal um, components of the surgery. So we're using peritoneum, which is the inner lining of the abdomen to line most of the vaginal canal. But we don't do that. Uh doesn't happen to kids. You don't do that. They just, they just need our support. And then there's CNN. So every time I cover these, I have to cover the media reaction to them. This soundbite by Jake Tapper. Oh, let's just listen and then we'll talk. People in the president's orbit say you have helped shape some of his views on LGBTQ issues. Politico says, quote, Biden has leaned on McBride, calling her to discuss the current moment in American politics. Over time, she has helped turn one of the most devout Catholic presidents in U.S. history into an unlikely champion of LGBTQ causes. Uh, Joe Biden's 80 years old, uh, has a history in his early career as being kind of conservative on social issues, including abortion, including segregation. How did you change his mind? How did you open his eyes to your experience? Well, I, I would never take credit for opening anyone's heart or mind on transgender rights. Joe Biden has a big heart, and that big heart has led him to be one of the most vocal champions of LGBTQ equality at the national level. That's why he came out for marriage equality so early. It's why he called trans rights the civil rights issue of our time back in 2012. But I also think that no story can be written or told about Joe Biden's legacy on these issues without talking about his son, Beau, who I had the privilege of working for. I think in many ways, this president sees in LGBTQ rights Beau's legacy. 
Beau championed marriage here in Delaware. He championed trans rights here in Delaware. And I think this president feels closer to Beau and closer to Beau's legacy when he's helping to carry it forward. And I think that's a huge part of, of where this president's passion lies beyond just the fact that he's a deeply empathetic and kind person. You can't be Catholic and be trans or gay. He's just, he has no position on anything. The man's been for and against everything in his career and if he's leaning on a tranny dude, that says it all just says it all i could play a whole bunch uh, cbs mourns the opposition to transgender campaign of, of bud light pbs host lgbtq journalist activist to label sconus winner a hate group glad tap celebs to bully social media platforms into silencing opposition to radical orthodoxy breaking 250 plus Public figures call on every social media to protect against anti-trans, anti-LGBT hate, and disinformation letter to GLAAD at HRC. Signed include the Elliot Page, Andrea Gandhi, and Sean Menendez. Sarah Kate Ellis. It's about time the social media CEOs hear from leaders on their platforms who content create, divide, profit, and revenue for them. It's clear these creators and celebrities recognize that social media companies should be taking urgent action to address the pervasiveness and severity of viral hate. Yeah, no. 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 Just just no. Th this is a chart that's supposed to show us unequivocally that there are no fucking genders, once again. But, uh, no. Which brings us to our... Um, oh, I guess I'll do these two quick. Uh, Armenia is so fucking bad. Listen, these are just two. Pro-choice Catholics fight to seize the narrative from the right... A year after victory in Dobbs' decision, anti-abortion activists still in fight mode. Really? Is that is that true? I, I, I don't think that's true. Asian American. Conservatives have become a key ally of white supremacy, and that's all because we got rid of that craziness. That you're going to put people in colleges because of their skin color. I'm just saying. But there's a positive. So I ganked a bunch of bad shit, put in a positive, and it comes in the form of CNN. So, back a year ago, or in, yeah, 2021, Hamrack is a polypimpsest where new immigrants have laid layers of culture and society on top of what was already there. You can enjoy a sizzling Yemeni fowl, a spicy bean stew, and a flatbread for breakfast and still find a kibasa or a pierogi for lunch. And Hamtrack is now back on the rise. One of the fastest growing cities in Michigan census figures show the new immigration New immigrants are fixing up dilapidated houses, opening stores and restaurants, putting down roots, and what could be more American than diving into local politics? Well, they fucking did. Email sent to us to the city council. Let me blow it up so I can fucking read it. 
another resident said the idea that all groups are represented by their national flag of origin is patently false. Does Hamrack wish to participate in this trend of alienating, threatening, and punishing members of the LGBTQ community, or does it wish to embrace our diversity as taught in our model? The world is two square miles. Because they, communities across the United States, celebrate June Pride Month. Detroit, Michigan has voted to permanently ban the display of pride flags. You know why? Because they're Muslim. And they don't fuck around with that shit. And here's a video to prove. And we start with breaking news right now out of Hamtramck. After hours of debate and hearing from residents, city council makes a decision on displaying pride flags on city property. In fact, just within the last 10 minutes, city council amended a resolution that would ban the pride flag from being flown on city-owned property. It's good to have you with us here at 11. I'm Devin Skillian. And I'm Christy McDonald. And for Kimberly Gill tonight, Jacqueline Francis is there live with just how we got to this point. Jacqueline. Yeah, that meeting is still going on right inside that door, and that vote came down just minutes ago. As you said, the council voting unanimously to approve the resolution. Take a look at the vote. Councilman Rafai. Yes. Councilman Mahmoud. Yes. Mr. Mayor, resolution 23. And that vote coming after hours of contentious debate. But we will have the world in two straight miles. So it's a little bit, uh, it's covert. So it's not right on the nose. Big displays of public disapproval for the proposed resolution. Oh. Followed by a very public display of affection. I'm all for removing the gay pride flag. Because you know what, let me tell you something. This is America. I have the right to say I'm against the gay pride flag. If anyone has an issue with it, they could go kick rocks. The resolution proposed by Mayor Pro Tem Mohammed Hassan states the city will not allow any religious, ethnic, racial, political, or sexual orientation group flags to be flown on the city's public property. The only flags allowed would be the American state and city flags, along with other nation flags and the prisoner of war flag. I relocated from California to Hamtramck. That's really far away. And I did it because I thought it was a diverse community. You don't see my family sitting there putting the flag and say, you're gonna, I'm going to put the Lebanese flag down your throat. You keep your flag, you want to put it at your house, put it at your house. Do not put it on city property and do not put it in our schools. Yes, nice and simple. Before voting to approve the resolution, the council members and the mayor made comments of their own, saying that this is not about targeting one specific group, adding that if you let one flag in, you'd have to let all the flags in. Reporting live from Hamtramck, Jacqueline Francis, Local 4. All right, Jacqueline, thank you. They just can't accept the concept that religion will always trump their crazy shit. And then there's this. I'm going to blow this up because uh, it's not it's not gay stuff, but it's wow. This photo of prize of President Biden sitting on the White House steps. It's just so breathtaking captures this moment so well. Joe Biden is doing so much for all of us. And as the weight of the world is on his shoulder, I just want to say thank you every time I see him. Also, 
I was at the White House yesterday, and I could tell you there wasn't a single thing about Joe Biden that indicated his age getting away of things. He's just as sharp and quick and witty, if not more, than anyone else out there. Replies. It's literally an old man sitting on some stairs. And take a rest after first step and then forgot where he was going. I can't believe he brought cocaine in here again. He got lost and is waiting for somebody to find him. Yeah. That's actually uh, what is what is happening. So we are now going to segue into the Blue Angels. Uh, play it every year. It's 4th of July. Uh, cut it down to two minutes this year, but it's pretty fucking badass. It was actually the first rehearsal because it, uh, the show got kank short. You're then going to have a little bump and you're going to go into two things from Casey DeSantis. Because today we're going to do a This is uh, America and yeah, it's not good. just the beginning. We must protect parents' rights and the innocence of our children. We must restore sanity in our society. We need every mama and every grandmama in every corner of the country to stand up and fight back 
by electing Ron DeSantis, President of the United States of America. Join us by texting MAMAS to 512345. There was a time in my life where I didn't know if I was going to see my kids graduate from kindergarten, let alone high school. And I was able to beat that back, and I had some really long, difficult battles. As a matter of fact, I remember, and the governor was getting criticized for doing this with me, but I remember every single chemotherapy appointment that I went to, and there were six of them, and they were long, and they were very hard, and I had to wear this dumb cold cap on my head that was like an ice cube. You're like in an igloo for six or seven hours, and he held my hand during every single one of them, and he never left my side. And I'll tell you what, when you go through something like that, and you're in the middle of the night, scared and you don't know what's going to happen and you crawl into bed with your kids and you're getting hope for tomorrow that you can have some more time with them and then you realize that God has given you more opportunity to be able to live when you're given that opportunity in life what do you do with it do I care what a headline says no I care about protecting the innocence of my children and your children So, of course, there is the old adage, if you're going to bring your family into it, you know, you got to be a big girl. You got to wear your your freaking big girl panties and you're going to get fucking clubbed like a baby seal. But I'm going to tell you right now what this is just one. There was never a place where she was treated that she thanked. Never a pink ribbon, not a word in October about cancer screenings. She was out unmasked while she was having having been doing chemo treatment would have been aggressive and someone so young so weird she's lying time to pull out the sympathy card because ronnie is tanking in the polls did you ever think maybe god gave you cancer for a reason just in case you think i made that up this this is everything about the left fucking everything god gave you cancer yeah that that person is a fucking total piece of shit and uh love love the compassion well i'm going to play a some videos, so I'm gonna I'm gonna nuke this motherfucker. I don't care if I get banned. We're going to see uh, literally CNN and MSNBC smear Casey DeSantis, and then we'll discuss. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. This is America. All right, let's move on to Ron DeSantis and where he stands in the uh, Republican primary right now. So he's raised $20 million in the second quarter, which is, of course, impressive. And his wife, Casey, is out with a campaign push called Mamas for DeSantis. And she uh, has put out this ad of what her husband stands for. So let's watch a piece of that. did for us in Florida. Schools open. Parents' rights defended. School choice universal. Critical race theory prohibited. DEI stopped. Child mutilation illegal. Girls' sports saved. Communities protected. Our economy growing. And freedom 
guaranteed. Okay, uh, James, child mutilation illegal? It's illegal everywhere, by the way. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're referring to, you know, reassignment surgery, but that, it, it was fact-checked by PolitiFact that, that actually the governor's office could not provide PolitiFact any examples of this happening, happening. to a child. Yeah. Okay, so um, we're talking about Ron DeSantis, but Casey DeSantis, his wife, is getting in on the action. She started campaigning for her husband, and, well, take a look at this new video. Schools open. Parents' rights defended. School choice universal. Critical race theory prohibited. DEI stopped. We will not allow you to exploit their innocence to advance your agenda. We are no longer silent. We are united. And we have finally found our fighter. Uh, David, I mean, we just showed part of this very long ad. It's so dark. Um, I, I would love your thoughts. Yeah, um, Jonathan, look, Casey DeSantis is a fairly compelling political figure in Florida and now nationally. For many, she's the brighter side to Florida's angry governor. For others, she's become America's Karen. And I think that's the ultimate disconnect here with a campaign that needs to embrace more constituencies to get to the White House. Look, she is a more effective messenger than Ron DeSantis. But if all she is doing is amplifying the wrong message, she's actually clarifying Ron DeSantis's weaknesses. And so this this ideology, the DeSantis doctrine, if you will, that our culture wars are the most pressing moments and we are going to invent these culture wars to terrify voters, that's simply not a message that resonates. So as I like to say, it doesn't matter if it's presented in heels or boots, the DeSantis doctrine's a losing one. We're going to learn that the more Casey DeSantis gets out there. <laughs> Tara, um, I think David's beaten you um, in terms of taking my breath away during a segment. But real quickly, because I do want to move on to my yeah. Pence for a hot second, uh, America's Karen, David Jolly. Well, I called Ooh, her boy. I called her this, you know, Serena Waterford wannabe needs to cut it out. We see you. So <laughs> there's there's all kinds of names for her. She needs to stop trying to measure the great drapes in the White House and think that she's some kind of Jackie O reincarnate. I mean, Casey DeSantis. <laughs> Just fucking garbage humans. Just fucking garbage humans. I mean, you can't do that to any lefty. It is You just can't. It's not authorized. She's at the end of a video, and that's what they go with. She talks about her cancer. That's what they go with. Because they are the fascists. They're just the fascists. They spend all day stoking lies to fear people. Need proof? Here is fucking MSNDC saying that the southern United States by 2070 will be uninhabitable. Angie, as you mentioned, the human body simply can't handle these levels of heat and will go into heat stress. But with much of the country and the world experiencing these record temps, at what point do certain areas just simply become uninhabitable for humans? Yeah, Joe, that's a great question. That point, actually probably closer than what you think. A United Nations report released late last year says that much of the South, including areas in Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, and California, will be less suitable for humans to live in by 2070, just less 
than 50 years from now. That report also states that up to one third of the global population will start experiencing life-threatening heat conditions, something that we currently only see in places like the Sahara. And this all means climate migration, people in the hottest areas with the most vulnerable Okay, if that is actually the truth, then why is everybody still living in Martha's Vineyard? Because once again, that's part of it. You're saying that we're literally going to be under motherfucking water. That that's that's what we're gonna we're gonna have. We're gonna be underwater. We're all gonna fucking die. We were told that Washington D.C. is supposed to be underwater. We've been to- we've been told so many fucking lies in reference to fucking climate change that it's impossible to even focus on everything you've already said, which hasn't come true. Then we have PBS. We pay for this and the 4th of July empowers extremism. American Revolution and the Founding founding Fathers, two parts of U.S. history celebrated on July 4th. In recent years, they've also become political and ideological tools, including at times of some extremist groups on the right. Lisa Desjardins has more. 1776 is a symbol of freedom, reason, and the founding of this country. But two centuries later, that date, 1776, was a rallying cry for rioters disrupting a national election at the Capitol. 1776! It's an example of how the politics and rhetoric around the founding has become inflamed and can eclipse the actual history involved. Joining me to discuss are Amy Cooter, the research director at the Center on Terrorism, Extremism, and Counterterrorism at the Middlebury Institute, and Jim Grossman, historian and executive director of the American Historical Association. Amy, I want to start with you. July 4th celebrates a, a history of men who were radical in their time in the founding, but I want to talk about the group that you study now, um, those who are in militias, those who are extremists. How do they use... So the gist is if you love America, you love the flag, you don't want to burn everything down to the ground, you're an extremist and you're a garbage person, and we shouldn't be happy about what the framers did. We should not be patriotic. And we pay for that. That, that, You know, once again, I'm not a conservative, not a liberal, but I'll tell you this much. I still wonder why in the fuck we finance PBS. Sesame Street's gone. What do they do? Have gay cartoons and push that America sucks. So they say it's extremism. So I will give you extremism. Here it is in the form of the greatest firework idea I've ever seen. Firework miniguns.
Yep, that's extremism right there. That's extremism we can all get behind, I think, personally. Last but not least, another uh, lighter fare. We're gonna, this came from Matt in Oregon. It's from the Babylon Bee. Um, he's a man, Moulin Rouge parody. Don't watch it in front of kids if you're watching the video. It's the worst of the worst. Get down to business to defeat this line. Why are you wearing makeup when you are a guy? You can wear those threads like Harry Styles, put all gender norms to rest. Yet you're still just a man in a dress You were losing badly when you raced the men Once you change your gender you are sure to win Your stubble parched pathetic sort with Balenciaga boots Yet you're still just a man with cute shoes. I'm never gonna catch my breath. Say goodbye to those who knew me. Isn't there a type of tool for cutting? This guy's got him scared to death. Like he doesn't see right through me. What is with my whole life learning how to swim? He's a man, must read books to your grade school children He's in drag, with all the force of a GameStop blue He is mad, with all the pride of a flaming chorus The spirit of our agenda is to groove Time is racing toward us, till the month Pride, hoist your rainbow white flag, and you might survive. Now we can't ignore your six foot four with an Adam's apple too. Yet you're still just a man without truth. He's a man.
And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with a K, Rumble, 482467. Send me an email at gmail.com. I did get a couple uh, this week. I, I, hold on a second. I got this freaking light off. Killing me. Um, I thought I said it, but I don't know if I did, so I'll reiterate. I fucked up uh, trimming my beard, so that's why I got a weird-ass face. Um, so we're growing it back out. We got, some, we got some gray coming in. We got some gray sprouting, and eventually we'll have our, our beard completely out. Um, as always, disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah-yeahs. We're going to go with a Wednesday um, 12th. July, Year of Our Lord, 2023 for the next podcast. I'm uh, heading out tomorrow to do some scrounging for my new side hustle, which is my hustle because I don't have a hustle and uh, can't talk about it because Matt in Oregon and Big Sis is getting one. Um, Probably Randy and Knox will get one. Um, An idea I got off of uh, YouTube, but I'm doing it better. Stronger, faster, whatever that stupid song by Yazi or Yah, what's his fucking name? I don't know what his name is. Um, <clears throat> so they're going to be inexpensive at the same time, make us some money back on our investment. Um, it was something I collect, I collected forever. So um, they were just collecting dust. Why not make some money off them? So. I found, or the wife found, a mega load with a person that has a thousand of these things. And we're going to go in with some cash and make a deal and try to buy 10 and um, slowly turn them into what we're doing. And that would be kind of cool. We got a booth coming up in a little town uh, north or west of us in Paris, Tennessee. That's inexpensive. We're going to list them there. Health-wise, a little better. Uh, Still miserable every morning. Still do my walk. And uh, not eating great, but I'm eating. And uh, I lost a little weight because I just went through a... They had me change medicine. And that's why I missed so many days podcasting. But now I got a new routine. As long as I feed the beast. Like right now, I'm getting hungry, so it's starting to hurt. I'll go eat something for lunch. Um, It's a snack, and it usually keeps it there. And I just stay on my little medicine ritual and I'm good so um, I hope all you stay safe out there got a lot of thunderstorms going across the country Um, and thank you for listening and we'll see you Wednesday take care every death is a tragedy y'all seven lives